Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. Angela Ruggiero is truly a living legend. She is a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. She's got four Olympic medals, one of them gold from 1998, multiple world championships, playing hockey for Team USA. She joins me this week talking about being a businesswoman. She was actually a, a participant in one of the seasons of Donald Trump's uh, The Apprentice. But what we really dig into is her time uh, at Harvard Business School and now uh, running Sports Innovation Lab, which is a market research company. Uh, and we talk extensively about that, about creating the company, the, the, the void that, that the company fills in the needs for market research, particularly in around sports. So often, I think, you know, I, I went into this interview thinking, oh, I didn't want to ask about the Olympics and that. I don't even think we, we didn't touch on it because it's fascinating talking to her as a woman in the business world, creating a new company and forging a new path. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with hockey legend and businesswoman, Angela Ruggiero. Angela, thank you so much for joining me. First, just tell me about Sports Innovation Lab. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, started Sports Innovation Lab about five and a half years ago. Uh, saw an opportunity to support the sports industry um, in their quest to better understand the fan specifically. Um, so we're a market research uh, and fan intelligence company that studies the fan and helps guide properties, media, brands, anyone in the sports ecosystem um, really lean into technology because technology is changing fan behavior and we, uh, attempt to understand that change with data and uh, yeah, create, create more meaningful strategies around uh, innovation. So we're, uh, we're nerds. We like the data. We like the tech. Um, we like, like to push the industry forward. What are some of the ways without giving away industry secrets, of course, what are some of the ways you go about that that sets you apart? So a big differentiator um, is our data. We, we really try to use not just really smart people, which um, there's a lot of smart people, um, but, but we try to take the, you know, the athlete approach, which was my approach as an athlete. Like the data doesn't lie. It's subjective. It, it can uh, it's not opinionated. It's sort of fact. And so we use our data really on the fan, knowing what they're buying, knowing how fans are behaving, uh, how they're kind of changing the way they consume sports or want to be involved in the sports ecosystem. Um, uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's our big differentiator. We've got a great team, um, great people that work at sports innovation lab, but our data is uh, really the differentiator between us and any other agency or, or consulting firm. Who are some of the companies and brands that tap into your expertise? Um, we have over a hundred clients um, ranging from the NFL, the NHL. Um, you know, we help brands like Visa and MasterCard. We help um, you know, different media properties, um, technology vendors like Google and Intel and Cisco, uh, we support. So we're, we're, again, when I say we span the ecosystem, we really do. And, and, uh, and we try to support our, any client that really wants to, again, lean into technology and, 
Um, and, and there's a lot of technology hitting the market. It's a super confusing space. Um, and so to make sense of it and obviously invest in the right technology that actually move the needle for the fan is, um, is, our, is our mission. You know, when, when I hear technology, the first thing that I think of is uh, social media, because that's probably how I interact with technology. Obviously, I have got a, I've got a phone, too. I've got a laptop. Are those the kinds of, of tools that you use to figure out what fans are doing? Yeah, that's one of many. Um, you're absolutely right. The second screen, the third screen, you know, you're maybe watching on your TV or linear broadcast, but you're your phone's open, your laptop's open, your, maybe you're streaming a, a game. Uh, um, so we really try to isolate um, what fans are buying, tells a lot. Um, we look at social media data. Again, you can see how they're interacting with, with different sports brands. Um, you know, what fans are watching, how they're watching, when they're watching, how long they're watching. I mean, again, you can manipulate data in different ways to see um, different things. It's not just ratings. It's, it's, you know, how long did they stay engaged? Um, what platforms were they on? So we try to take the perspective of if we can understand what fans are buying, what they're watching, um, how they're interacting with one another on these social platforms, um, to your, your first point, um, and put it all together, which is the, 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 you know, the special sauce, uh, through the lens of the fan, um, that that's really what we're doing at Sports Innovation Lab. When you and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little, I'm, I'm, I'm geeking out a little bit on this conversation because I, I love this kind of stuff. Um, you know, when when people talk to me about fans, I point out a couple of things. Number one, most Americans don't consider themselves sports fans. Um, but two, there is there is you know in each market a, a group of people who are are truly fanatic. When you and then there are some there are a lot of people who just, you know, casually pass by the Olympics or like I'm not I wouldn't consider myself an NBA fan, but I watched the Celtics Warriors game the other night because I don't know, it's game two of the finals. It's, it's, it's time to start tuning in. Do you do you <laughs> drill into those kinds of dynamics where you've got the fan that'll tune into the NBA finals and then you've got the the, the man or woman who's watched all 82 regular season games? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, there's the diehard fan, which is that avid fan that watches everything and goes to everything and, you know, generation, you know, has passed their fandom down from generation to generation and holds the season tickets. And that's historically been the cash cow for the industry. That's who we've tended over service. Um, what you're describing is what we call at Sports Innovation Lab, the fluid fan. So you're not a full-time NBA fan, but you consume the NBA and it might just be in the playoffs. Maybe it's your, your son or your daughter just watches it on, you know, their esports. like they're, they're playing NBA 2k. Uh, maybe you don't subscribe to anything you record never, but you're absolutely following the players and you've uh, you know, Steph Curry is on your Twitter feed and you're, you're, you're consuming the athlete versus the brand of the NBA or the team even uh, because again, you're, um, you're a global citizen. Uh, a, key, a hallmark of the fluid fan is you follow athletes over the teams, over the leagues. Um, the fluid fan follows their values. They might follow fans or a sport or a property. You mentioned the Olympics because of what the Olympics stands for. 
Um, so the fluid fan is this more casual fickle fan that absolutely has wallet, absolutely has attention to give you. Um, but you have to package it differently. You have to meet them where they are. You have to, uh, again, evolve your business model. And that's really a hallmark, again, of what we're trying to do at Sportsimation Lab is find who these fluid fans are and build um, build a business that's fit for purpose that isn't just catering to that diehard that's going to buy a ticket or watch every game. Um, that's, again, we call that base case. Like, of course, you need to build to your diehards, but it's the growth is all in the, the fluid fan. And really what you're talking about is really what every industry uh, goes through. Disney right now is trying to figure out how to cater to the hardcore Star Wars fan, but also the fan that may pass by because their kid reads it. Um, you've, Apple has these kinds of fans. And so what you're really talking about even goes beyond sports. 100%. Yeah, you, again, you, we could talk all day on this. Um, Fans are changing. Consumers are changing. This is not unique to the sports industry. I, you know, with, with the pandemic, I, I think about, I don't go to the grocery store anymore. I, I order my groceries online. I, my e-commerce has gone through the roof. I'm, you know, a diehard in my Netflix addiction and my e-commerce addiction or my Amazon. I mean, I've, my behavior's changed. And so if your behaviors change and now you're going cashless and now you're getting buying something on demand and your expectations are higher for what brands should be doing you can't just sit on the sidelines sports industry and expect those fans those food fans in particular to show up they're like well i get better forms of entertainment and i i can buy in three clicks anything i want but i can't do that in this industry so you're absolutely right disney and others that are in the entertainment business that's trying to capture attention in this attention economy, sports has to keep up that pace of change. Um, billions of dollars are being invested. Believe me, think Meta, think Disney in capturing the wallets and the time, you know, the, the attention span of this next generation. And, and that's, again, why we're so excited about what we do is we can do that in this industry. We can do that in sports. We just have to make um, a big transformational change in terms of what our business model looks like. You were at the highest level of your sport as an athlete, Hall of Famer. A lot of athletes, when they're done, they, they get into coaching or they look at media gigs, particularly people of, of your stature the, at the level that you had achieved. You went into business. What is it about business and business school and, and, and the operation of business that drew you away from sports and into essentially different kind of industry? Yeah, I mean, it, business is competitive. <laughs> business is like sports, you know, you, you're, you're building a company from scratch, like I, I did uh, with my co-founder, Josh Walker, um, with Sports Innovation Lab. I mean, as an athlete, you're an entrepreneur. You, you are building your own brand, you're managing your own time, you're managing your entourage. Um, so there's a bit of like, okay, I think a lot of athletes have that entrepreneurial mindset. They're self-starters. They, they know how to set goals and build teams. Um, uh, so yeah, I think unfortunately a lot of athletes get pushed into, oh, you'd be good at coaching. I'm like, well, not really. It's, some people are good at coaching. Others, some of my teammates can't explain how the hell they're so good. 
uh, they just are good. Um, there's an art to like breaking apart the game and mentoring young people. Um, so the default of, oh, you played sports at a high level, you should coach or uh, explain it to the public on broadcasting. Um, I think pigeonholes a lot of athletes. And so when I retired, I think I was just so interested in everything outside of sports. I went back to business school and, um, you know, tried to reset myself in a lot of ways and, uh, you know, gain exposure to different industries and, you know, I ended up coming back into the sports industry, but I think with a, a fresh perspective and, um, and it's fun to be honest, like if I were just sitting around talking about what I used to do or, uh, just staying honestly in hockey, which I love hockey to death. Um, but there's, you know, such a big world out there. <laughs> uh, so decided to, you know, obviously, uh, go into, go into what we're doing now. Talk about the competitive nature of business. Just tell me about that. Who, who's your competitors? Who are you competing against? Well, we're, we're competing honestly against behaviors. Um, th there isn't really a, an exact competitor in our market. No one's actually doing exactly what we're doing in terms of data and fan intelligence. Um, so, you know, part of my challenge as CEO here is just keeping my finger on the pulse. Like how is the market ready for what we're building? How do we show them that the product that we're building and the strategy that we create is differentiated than, um, you know, the alternatives, which is typically their, their agency or their uh, consulting firm. Um, so part of our challenge is again, we're, we're building uh white space here um we're moving into the you know some breaking into a market that doesn't exist but is very much in need i think of what we're building um and trying to convince i think the the decision makers uh that building strategy with gut uh isn't always the best way to do it that, that obviously having a, a more thorough data-driven strategy uh, can make a material difference. And again, I, I, I go always go back. I always reference my hockey career because I played in four Olympics and data was everything to me, understanding my body, understanding our team strategy, using data to analyze the competition. And it just, well, of course that makes sense. Um, data can help you see where the puck is headed, <laughs> literally in hockey, uh, but in this case in business. Um, so uh, while we don't have a direct competitor I could name, it's a good thing, but it's also a challenge because, um, again, we're trying to change behaviors of, of the old way of, of kind of doing, doing business. I was on airplane headed to Mexico a couple of weeks ago and looking through the, the list of films to watch. I've seen Moneyball a number of times and I watched it yet again. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> it sounds like that's your you're the, you're the Billy Bean <laughs> Of, of this area where where for so long a bunch of um you know quote unquote smart white guys got in a room and figured out you know went with their gut you know looked at trends and here you come in and say no 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 there's a lot there are numbers here that we can rely on do you ever think about yourself that way oh yeah yeah i referenced my moneyball what moneyball did to on the field is what we're trying to do off the field so you totally, again, hit the nail on the head. Moneyball showed that you could win games, win championships, taking a more analytical approach to which players you select and where you put them on the field. 
And we absolutely try to do the same thing with your business strategy. So how do you make money in sports? You win games because you sell more tickets and more merch, or you completely over-service the fan. You, you build a great fan experience. Both of those avenues will build your enterprise value. But I think the latter, um, to your point, no one's, this industry is just now realizing, oh my God, if we had more data and had more strategic thinking around our fan and put the fan at the center, we move from being a sports product, an event product, to being a data platform, to being a media platform. And how do you do that? Well, you know who your fan is, you know who your consumer is, you know how technology is changing their fan behavior. And again, you invest in the right technologies um, because there's a lot of lot of interesting things on the market. Um, We get calls all the time. Oh, NFTs. Oh, VR, AR. Oh, what about this cashless thing? And there's all kinds of interesting opportunities. Um, And it's hard to isolate that uh, with, again, just trying to read everything and trying to, you know, have your sample size of two usually, oh, my kids at home are doing this. Therefore, I should be investing in it. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's give you a bigger perspective. So um, yeah, money ball for the business side is the way you could summarize it. On the flip side, Billy Bean was a, had been in the business for a while. He was a straight white man. You are a lesbian. Do you, do you find yourself, have you, whether it's at Harvard Business School or, or on The Apprentice or uh, building this business, getting in front of probably a lot of, of, of white straight guys to sell your business, have you found that a challenge at all? Has it gotten in the way? To be honest, I think my sexuality is less um, concerning than my gender. <laughs> That's what um, I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I you get know, that. I think being a woman, I think it, to me, honestly, I've seen more of you're the only woman in the room. And, you know, you never know what people's sexual orientation is. You can't you can't read that. Um, but for the most part, you know, I'm there is very small, you know, visible LGBT community and the um but being a woman you can tell right away there's there are many rooms I walk into I'm the only woman or one of few and and I've tried to do something about that I mean we have created what we call executive networks and we've we created one specifically for just women um c-suite women in the sports media and entertainment space so they had a safe space to come into and I say I I call it out I say this is our old boys club you know, business deals get done through that club and having an opportunity to, to sit in the room, break some bread, have a glass of wine together, um, work with one another, support with one another. I mean, really, that's a big piece of what we're doing um, is try to empower the whole sports industry, including those that are most likely left out of those conversations. So, um, yeah, it's I mean, this is a very traditional industry still. And um you know, again, we're trying to do our small part uh, to make it better. How do you personally rise to the occasion? Because it's great to sit here and acknowledge it, um, you know, over the phone and talk about it. But how does it feel to walk into those rooms? And how do you, how do you, I don't, you know, get yourself ready to, to deal with that, knowing that there are, men at this table who in the back of their head somewhere some level dismiss something you say because you're a woman how do you get over that yeah 
Yeah, I think I learned. I mean, I share this lesson a lot. When I was nine, I got cut from a team, a hockey team, because I was a girl. Um, and my dad said, Angela, you could quit, prove them right. Or you can come back next year and, and be the very best player on the ice. Like, number one. And then they can't cut you. And I know that's so unfair to put the burden, again, on you as a, a you know, a woman or if it's your sexual orientation or your religion or whatever the, the case may be, your um, ethnicity. I mean, I'm white, so I get the benefit of, of that at least. <laughs> it's there's, But there's all kinds of discrimination out there. My dad, this is such a good lesson. It's like, unfortunately, you have to be twice as good as everyone else. And I think I've taken that through my career. I'm like, okay, all right. I have two Harvard degrees now. I've maybe over-indexed. I'm like, what do I need to do to... to remove doubt um of course i'd love to be in that room and just be myself and not think about how i'm perceived um but to me it's all about back to hockey it's preparation it's work ethic it's again making sure you've pre-game for that call or done whatever you can to be ready for that opportunity and not just what's minimally required but exceed expectations so if it's a board meeting have you read all the materials <laughs> I mean sometimes like have you read the materials and have an opinion have you understood who's in the room um, so it's a hard question to ask but I recognize I don't get the benefit of the doubt always and that's okay because I go in there with a mindset of okay be best prepared and be smart about you know, how you conduct yourself and hopefully through time you gain the respect of those in the room. And that's just been my approach in general. Earn respect. Don't, don't expect it on day one. Well, a couple of seasons I was working in the replay booth of uh, Los Angeles Chargers games for the NFL. And there was one woman of the, I think, 17 um, replay officials. There was, there was only one woman, Terry Valenti. And to your point, she was the most well-dressed of all the replay officials. She was by far the most prepared. She was by far the most communicative. And, and I thought at the time, she has to do this so she doesn't get dismissed. And it made her very good. She ended up working playoff games. Um, but to your point, that really resonated. Be prepared and work hard. And you remember her name. And yeah. I'm sure if you were in a position of power to make the next hire to give her a promotion uh you stand out and again i hate i always say this to you know young girls in hockey or uh people that are facing any form of discrimination it's just it's it's not fair but it's how the how the lay of the land is today and rather than um fight i mean i advocate for change all the time i hopefully i'm visible enough that just by being myself um i can affect positive change in the world but again like people remember if if you're you go in and you're not ready uh versus if you are and again that's just how i've tried to really it resonates it's like my dad said okay angela you're gonna be first on the ice and last off the ice you're gonna sprint for every puck you're gonna sprint off the ice when no one's looking and you're not expected to like do those little things when no one's looking and he gave me this really great analogy he said pretend there's a scout in the stands and if you 
basically have someone looking over your shoulder, evaluating literally everything you do. And you're trying out for the Olympic team. Like imagine something important to you. Um, every time you step on that ice, you're not going to go through the motions. And so the scout in the stands analogy sort of resonated. I'm like, oh, if I took that to the, not just hockey, but school or business or anything, you know, it's like the reminder, like who's looking over your shoulder and, and, and usually people aren't looking over your shoulder. Um, and so it's a little almost again, head game. You could play with yourself. I certainly did with my hockey career um, that I think about now and kind of the, the business side scout in the stands. <laughs> it's, 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 you know what the elf on the shelf is? Oh yeah. The little kids. <laughs> it's like the elf on the door. The kids think the elf totally. is watching. Maybe no, and it works. It works for the, the, the five-year-olds. You know, I have a five-year-old It works for kids, but uh, yeah, but think about that. If you took that into your professional world and you know, you know, you hold yourself accountable more, I guess. And again, I hate that the burden is on the underrepresented, but if that's the case, how I feel, I just say, all right, I'm just going to overprepare. And I feel good going into those meetings because I'm not winging it. Well, again, preparation and hard work will help anybody get ahead. And, and uh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, big, big shocker. Women and minorities have to rely a little bit more on. I know I do as a gay sports reporter. I know I can't walk into a, a, a room and sound like an idiot um, at a press conference. So I get it. Um, well, Angela, I appreciate your time. It, it, what you're doing sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, I got connected to you through Gangels, who are, you know, are big supporters and uh, wish wish you all the best. Proud, and, proud and, investor, they're they're the best. So no, I, I appreciate uh, ha- having me today in the support of, of Gangles, and uh, I made it a point on our cap table to try to find more inclusive investors as we scale the business. So um, thank you for having me today. Appreciate it. You can follow Angela Ruggiero on Instagram, Twitter. She's all over social media. Uh, as is Sports Innovation Lab. Just do searches for those names and and you can find them appreciate angela catching up with me and next week staying in kind of in form of talking to athletes about non-athlete stuff i get to talk to brianna scurry the another living legend with multiple uh, olympic medals who has a new book out new movie on the way and we talk about what she calls her greatest save, which has nothing to do with what she was able to do uh, as a goalie for Team USA soccer team. So come on back next week for that. Uh, And again, thank you, Angela, for joining me. We will talk to you all next week. Mm